I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Today, I'm very excited about having this lovely woman on my show. It is Sharon John Price. And before I bring her on, we're going to be uh, talking about her new book and um, maybe even getting into some other things. Uh, But before we do, let me uh, tell you a little bit about Sharon. So Sharon Price John has served as president and CEO of Build-A-Bear Workshop, Inc. um, since 2013, where she has led the turning around and redefining of the multi-million dollar company and beloved brand while navigating the retail apocalypse and more recently a global pandemic to deliver the most profitable year in the company's history in 2021. However, before becoming the CEO of a publicly traded company, Sharon was a self-professed Tom girl from Tennessee. With sights beyond her small town roots, Sharon embarked on a fascinating life journey of challenges and opportunities, including graduating from the University of Tennessee, working in the ad industry in New York City, earning an MBA from Columbia University, managing iconic kids' brands at companies like Mattel and Hasbro, and becoming known as a change agent and eventually accepting the role of president of the Stride Right Children's Group and led, which led to, uh, which led to Sharon taking the helm at Build-A-Bear. Sharon also serves on the board of directors at Jack in the Box and on the executive committee of the Toy Industry Association Board, in addition to supporting a number of philanthropic organizations. She has been named one of the University of Tennessee's top 100 alumni of the last 100 years and recognized as a distinguished alumni by Columbia Women in Business. Sharon has three children and lives in St. Louis with her husband, Russ. Please welcome Sharon, this powerhouse to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Goodness. You are a busy woman. I have love to that was in the past. That was right. awesome. Yeah. Woo! But hey, you know, kids keep us busy too and trying to be a working mom, right? Yeah. So before we jump in, I told you we were going to do an icebreaker question before we hopped on. So you ready? Okay. What is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Oh, wow. Okay. So you're all over my stuff right now. I am a cookie person to the core. And in fact, in my household, my entire family knows that I am the official owner of all cookies. So yes, I, this, this is serious business for me. So, but my favorite cookie is oatmeal raisin cookies. And my memory has to do with me and my mom making them um, when I was a little girl. And I, in fact, have the bowl to this day that we made those cookies in because that bowl is super, super special to me. And that is the bowl that I make cookies in for my kids. And I made chocolate chip cookies this weekend in that bowl. That's true. Wow. See, I'm a very nostalgic person as well. So I'm all about that. And uh, the oatmeal raisin cookies, always like the redhead stepchild of cookies. I feel like no one eats them. They're healthy. (laughs) They are. They are. Um, But thank you for sharing that. That's really, really nice and sweet. And that's very cool that you still have the bowl. Um, And we have three kids. They're 
Um, we had this conversation. They're grown. When I say grown, meaning older than my elementary school children. Right. That is yeah. true. Yeah. They're, they're, they're big people. They're yeah. all, I'm officially the smallest person in my family. That is true. Oh yeah. And they always need their mama. Well, how tall are you? Uh, about five, six. Okay. I'm five, yeah. one. And my nine-year-olds is just catching mm-hmm. up real quick. So mm-hmm. I'll be towering. Um, and we're here to, um, talk about your new book and we'll, we'll, we'll go into a little bit more of that. So, uh, the new year, it's a time for us to reflect and we have a lot of goal setting and you, um, stories and heart is your new, is your new book. And it will, it's, it's wonderful. It's got amazing stories. There's so many different things in there and you are the CEO CEO of Build-A-Bear. Yeah. So, I mean, when I saw that guy, little kids, we've all listeners included probably been there, stuffed those things and you you put the little heart in there. And so I love the fact that you wrote that book. So tell us a little bit about the book and uh, how you feel like it will help people with their goal setting and inspire. So when Forbes approached me about the book, um, they, you know, would expect, as you might imagine, that I would write something that was very business oriented. And I really wasn't that keen on doing that. I mean, they really had approached me because we had been through some of the things that you shared in the uh, introduction about, you know, this, the the ups and downs of retail, the uh, economic contraction, you know, that was a lot of what was going on. We were talking about this prior to COVID. So that was not yet a part of the story. Um, And I really, I just, this is such an, it's, I just didn't feel like that that was what I wanted to do. Um, It, you know, there's some techniques in there, but every business technique is really, you have to choose the uh, appropriate situation for the company that you're in, the specific turnaround issues. So there wasn't anything, I'm going to give you some macro examples of how to be a change agent. Like that's not anything that's really was interesting to me. Um, And they're like, well, then write, you know, kind of write a personal story. And I'm like, well, I don't, I'm not just going to write that for writing its sake. I'm not interested in trying to like create some long narrative about my um, history, like some autobiography or something. That's yeah. seems ridiculous to me, but what I could do is maybe there's some mashup because everything's all woven together. I mean, you use the term working mom, right. And, but you know, I, there, I'm just a person that happens to have a job and I'm a mom and I've worked really hard to kind of almost blend so much of that together and not compartmentalize those things because I want all of that to bring joy right? I don't want to have like, oh, I have to go over here and spend this much time in my life doing things that I don't like. So I can go over here and now spend the time doing what I do like. You know, a part of our opportunity in life is to figure out how to like everything that's going on in life. And, And I went back and thought through some of the things that I'd done that maybe caused me to pause. And when I was not going well, or when it was going well, or when I thought I needed clarity or just a new idea about something. And I I'm a real creator of process. Um, I don't know why, just something I like to do of, you know, getting in habits of writing goals or doing this, or maybe it came from being an athlete as a kid. I don't know. Um, What did you you play as a kid? I was a gymnast. So. um, Oh, very, very. Yeah. Disciplined. Very regimented, you know, like, so gymnast, cheer, dance, that kind of stuff. Athletes just 
like your processes, procedures, you like having predictability. Yes. You have to, you got to, you have to do that. You're not going to, because particularly in gymnastics, you, you just, there's only one way to hit the move. That's just it. And you've got to do it when you're not thinking about it anymore, because you can't think about it, particularly like at States where there's this huge crowd and all, if you've ever watched it in the Olympics, um, all of the events are going on at the same time. So you could be on the balance beam when somebody else's music starts for the floor routine. You have to learn to be so totally in the moment that no matter what happens outside, you will still hit it. So anyway, I think that that was part, maybe part of why I would come up with this stuff, but all of these things that I did, they actually helped me, you know, they helped me get over this hump. And people would ask me this advice. I said, well, you've been there. What did you do? And I'm like, oh, I did this crazy thing. I created my own value, my own set of values, because I was in this class called the price values. And that was my maiden name. And I, you know, lived my life by these values for the rest of my life. They're like, what? Nobody does that. I'm like, what do you mean? Nobody does that. <laughs> Yeah, why not? And so I'm like, all, all these little tips that I would tell people, they're like, you've got to write a book about that. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to write a book about that. So I took these things that I've used for so long and thought back about what was the catalyst that created that. And then also did some research on were these ideas um, that I was doing or these activities that I was doing, is there any proof points around that? Was there any research that proved that having this, you know, positive thinking helps you or writing down your goals is more impactful than just having goals. And the truth is there's tons of research that supports the things that I was doing that actually created positive results. So that's all the stuff that's in the book. It's a little bit of a story that helps people relate to, you know, who I am, you know, stories about the stuff everybody's done, like climbing a tree or, you know, for us, you know, maybe trying out for cheerleading or trying out for anything. It doesn't matter. It was just happened to be trying out for cheerleading. So, these are, you know, little kid stories. And so the goal setting is, is grounded in kid stuff, but the learning is still there about how to set goals, how to think about them, how to be tenacious, you know, um, creating the goal, trying, failing, you know, trying again and succeeding and learning that failing is just a part of the process. And there's and not success in failing. And there's success in failing. But it isn't until you decide that's true. And so through this process, the construct started to emerge of unlock the power of personal stories to create the life you love is that it boils down to so much of what happens now and in the future is about the narrative that we've wrapped around the things that have happened to us, not what happened at all. Mm. And that is the subtitle of the story. And that is when I say you know, am I giving you advice about what to do or what not to do? No, I'm giving you advice about figuring out who you are and recognizing that you have tremendous control over whether you're empowered or disempowered by what happens in your life, by the way you choose to think about things. Absolutely. And I think that's where a lot of people struggle with. We're stuck or you seem to can't, you can't get out of the neck, like into the next level. Uh, personally, I'm wrapping up a divorce and I am, was very, it was very hard to get to that point because it was like, do you make the change? Cause a, you're scared or you don't feel prepared, but then 
when you do, it just, it changes your whole mindset of like, I'm in, like, I can do hard things. This is going to be hard and I will persevere. And then when you get through the storm, you can see that like that molded you to how you are now, but you have to have the, the vision of that. Um, and know, cause it's hard to see the forest or the trees when you're in the forest or mm-hmm. right the forest when you see the trees or can't see the frame when you're in the picture. So when you have finally a minute to look around and, and reflect like your stories, I was reading them and it was always a lesson in something and it wasn't all business. It was just life events. Yeah. And that's another narrative. It's all, it's, that's all you got is life. Yeah. And trying to, you know, now I'm doing this and this, this part isn't life somehow work-life balance by even saying it like that. Are you saying that work isn't life because you've separated it from that by just your definition of that, when that takes up a big chunk of your life? Absolutely. I would highly encourage people to choose a path of, you know, I'm not even going to call it work. Let's call it the portion of your day that you use to create some sort of compensation. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Gotta pay. Gotta gotta live. Right. Right? Um, You know, that needs to be something that you enjoy doing to the degree that you can do it. Right. And not, and sometimes you have to work to get to that point. But the, I, I, I really, the, the, the idea that we spend as much time as we spend, I'm going to do all this stuff that I don't like. And then that your goal in life is to retire. That makes me sad and it's not necessary. And even in your, and not, not for a lot of people now, look, you know, there are a lot of different structures and socioeconomic strata and different circumstances and I, and I get that. And look, we've all had to do things that, um, that we, that, that, that's absolutely work period. Um, but it, it's about where are you headed? What are your goals? What do you want to do in life? How, how are you tracking toward these things where it's not so black and white? It's you're in a position where you can kind of just, you're, you're trying to enjoy everything about this gift of the present that we have. And so for you, even though, when you think about what you're going through right now and, and what you're playing, there's a lot of different narratives that you could ultimately wrap around this experience. Oh. And right. Mm. Mm. There's a lot. And but you're I'm going to trust that you're going to choose to wrap the narrative around that experience as one that is empowering to you, because that's the only thing that you should be doing. Mm hmm. Because without it, it becomes baggage. Right. Absolutely. And, and I, that, and when, I yeah. when I came to the, to the conclusion, it was for my kids, really, because of the situation we were in and the, and the environment that they were in. There's a reason why it's chaos. It was, it was very unpredictable, let's just say. And so when it became evident and clear that it was going to then reflect onto them, it was like, I am responsible for me and my situation. That's my choice. And that's under my control. Uh, well, it, it's, it's my choice. When it starts happening to your children, someone has like, they're too young. Someone needs to protect them and someone needs to step in. And if that person can't 
take care of whatever it is they need to take care of, then it's going to make me do it. And I'm going to have to just take control and say, listen, like you're going to force me into doing X because they don't get to choose their environment. We create what we want to live in essentially. I mean, we might want more than what we can provide right now, but essentially we are in control of our environment, but they are not. And so we need to make that safe and healthy for them and, and not be selfish. And it was very hard to do because you just divorce in general is hard. And then you add in all these other crazy things, but in the end, you're, you're remembering that you are modeling good behavior for the kids and that you're breaking a cycle and they don't know norm, like you're their normal. And so if you take them into a, like you get to decide what they see as normal. They live in our home and they see what we do for a living and they see how we live. That's their normal, which we looks completely different than somebody else's. And so if you know there is a difference, then you need to show them. And mm-hmm. so very hard, but I am now a stronger person being able to do that. And they will now be able to recognize wrong, right, the correct thing to do, the not correct thing. And uh, they're very young still, but man, they're sponges. And uh, when things happen, I'll say, I'm sorry that that happened. They're like, you, you don't need to apologize. It's not your fault. It's so-and-so's fault. I'm like, well, that's very, okay. That's insightful for a seven-year-old, but you know, molding that, but not also uh, forcing values on them. Right. Because um, right. When we are watching or trying to model behavior. We try to protect our kids, right? You've been through so many things as a professional and I'm sure as an adult as well. And when things happen to our kids, like yours are now young adults, it, you try to let them have their experiences, even though, you know, what could happen, but mm-hmm. they may not react the same way. Right. That's right. So you don't want to control what happens to them because they might completely, they might deal with it in a whole nother way that you wouldn't have. That's true. I do think, you know, people, a lot of times, um, as, as the book came out, people have asked me, this is a really common question. You know, who, who did you write this for? Why, what, who, what's the audience? And, you know, you're bringing up just something I hadn't thought about, but, um, in, I think that not only is it for some of the obvious uh, answers of maybe people starting off in their careers or some people have said, it feels like, you know, is this a woman's book? I'm like, no, it's a people book, um, you know, yeah. or, you know, I, actually, a woman yeah. Has to, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I did an interview with someone who uh, does a, a show for um, people over 50 and her belief was this was like the perfect retirement book to rethink your life. And I'm like, well, I hadn't thought about that. You know, then, then there's like, this should be, right. And that's like all the way to, this should be, you know, mandatory reading in colleges. I'm like, okay, <laughs> great idea. But you just brought up another one too, of any time that we're going through a life change, any time when we're, there's a time of self-reflection, um, and it just gives, I think it gives some tools that allow you to, reassess your goals. Think about, well, was I making the, you know, these plans that I had or these goals that I had, was I, was I making those because of this previous situation? Was I, was I narrowing and limiting my possibilities for myself because of, I didn't understand where I was headed. So that, you know, the releasing of, of your mind, when you change an environment 
and don't forget that you've done that and that there may be, you know, remnants of baggage and things that you didn't even know you were dragging around with you until it's gone. So this is a beautiful moment for in your situation to just go, I'm, you don't even have to think the what if or when this, the now, right. what do I want? What do I want? You have to get deep inside about what do you want and set those goals without those kind of limitations and parameters on you and release yourself. Um, and I think one of the most fun exercises that, you know, a situ in a situation like this is like to write your hundred goals for life and just do, just do it. Just uninhibited. Like, don't even think about it. Like the minute you're like, yeah, but stop, write it down. There's the only thing you're wasting is a tiny little bit of ink and just the sliverest of paper that you went ahead and wrote something down before you stopped yourself from writing it down. Yeah. And, and I just think that would be such a release. Um, uh, and so there's a whole lot of stuff in here, the killing of the negative voices. Um, I, I love the idea of the, um, the situation where I, I have you write down all the stuff that the negative committee says. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just, you take it and you just like find some really fun way to totally tear it into pieces and burn it up and rewrite That's it. That's what kids do too. Um, yeah. my, like my, my five-year-old is having nightmares and it's this thing. And so in his therapy, he, they draw it. He drew the monster. Oh, and completely. then he got, he cut it up in with scissors and he shot it with Nerf guns and he Whatever makes you happy. And it, it releases it in a way. That's exactly right. Same thing for adults. Adults are still like kids and we still. Our um, brains still work the same. They're just, yes. they're just kind of bigger, maybe sometimes. That's why they make those smash houses where it's like you get to go crash, you know, smash TVs and because it feels like a release. Like there's lots yeah. of different ways. And so um, this book was, it just gives you all these bits and pieces because when I work with, 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 um, mainly women, but who I try to inspire is why wait now? Like you said earlier, when we work to retire, I thought about like, when I was starting this, this company, it was honestly to create revenue. So then I could leave my situation. But while I was doing that, it was, well, if I were going to wait until my kids were out of the house, cause I'd have more time. I am wasting 10, 12 years when I could start now, learn a bunch, fail a bunch and not start later at the same exact place I could be right now. You don't have to go gung ho, but you can start because yeah. you never know what will come of it. You never know where life will take you, where it'll, maybe you'll You're pivot. Exactly right. There's an entire section about, you know, people create dreams, um, but they're not, but they're missing that um, action piece. Right. Um, I mean, that that's a, a, a famous, I believe it's Nelson Mandela. Um, it's noted in the book that uh, dreams without our, um, I would have to look it up uh, with dreams without action, plans without action is just a dream, something like that. And, um, and I put this whole section in there about trying to just get put down like after you go through your hundred wishes or maybe pull some of the goals off your goal tree that are, you know, what you think are really, you were bold enough to put something down there. They're like, is it just right in your back pocket? Um, which I hope you don't. I hope you do that. You know, put these big dreams out there. 
is just put one action, one action that you're going to do by a certain amount. It doesn't have, not the big answer. Um, oh, it's vision. Vision without action is just a dream. Mm. So um, be yourself accountable. It, it, yes. And hold yourself accountable. But, but there's some kind of, and this is data driven. There's some kind of magic that happens when you pull that goal out and take one action in faith. You have no idea if it's going to work, if it's going, if this dream's going to happen. But when you just, as Norman Vincent Peale says, throw your heart over the bar and act as if this is inevitable. And you take one step in faith that you would do if you truly believed this was possible. And it is remarkable. It's remarkable what starts to happen around you if you just open your eyes, just get the peripheral vision open about your life. What starts stepping into your place, somebody that calls you, something you read, an article you see, a phone call you get, and you're like, wow. And all you do is just get it started. That, that idea of taking that action and not waiting, waiting, waiting. And you know what? It's, it's back in this. It's, a, it's one of the... Um, the titles of one of the chapters is what's the worst thing that can happen? And that's right. the question of that. What's the worst thing that could happen? So you got this big dream. You take one crazy action that you would do if you believe that it was possible. Right. You know, it goes nowhere. So what? Right. I'm in oh, sales. What if you right? say, don't ask, don't get, what's the worst? They say, no, you'll yeah. never know if you don't ask and you might get surprised. Well, I love that. And I love that you did that. So, um, but I think that, you know, there's a lot of little tools that in each broken down case, they don't feel, they don't, I try not to make anything make, feel like that it's just impossible to do. Like, you know, make us, you know, 10 year financial plan. I'm not asking. No. Now do you have a whole three? Do you have, do you have one that you actively work off right now personally? Um, with my goal tree? Oh, sure. All the time. Yeah. yeah. And the key is to keep updating, keep updating because so many of the, the stories in my book and maybe the story for others, I don't know, is I, I have a big habit of underestimating my capabilities, you know, and so I have to keep constantly recalibrating. Um, and sometimes somebody's recalibrating for me, you know, they're, well, why don't you try that? Have you ever thought it would be, oh, I don't know, you know, because um, a lot of times we get caught in the imposter syndrome, particularly women. Um, and, you know, I get just, my husband kind of laughs at it. You know, I just keep, keep thinking, well, you know, every, every additional goal or achievement or this or that, I'm like, well, this is it. This is the one, this is where I'm going to hit the wall. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like I, you just got to get over that share. <laughs> Well, it is because that's what stops a lot of people from doing is because they're like, why me? Like, there's no, what business do I have about talking about that? Yeah. And I, I did that too. That was probably one of the biggest things about writing the book at all. Um, and I kind of, I got through that with one to come full circle, my kids. I thought at the very least writing this down, even if all it is, is my childhood history that's kind of a nice gift for my kids, my grandkids, how, how wonderful, I would love to read something that was written by my grandmother about her childhood. I mean, you know, it's just magical. It doesn't exist, right? There's a few letters that my great grandmother wrote to her father that I have that are just precious, right? And to think that I sat here and pinned this about my life and career and 
you know, if, it doesn't matter if they appreciate it now, but someday they will, you know, and I think they do. But um, that was one. And the second was someone challenged me to think about if this would be would have been helpful for you if you read something like this when you were young. And that, that's without a doubt, because even it was much more rare at the time that I could see someone that looked like me or act like me or had a history like me that in a position that I've, you know, been so fortunate to, to, to now hold. Um, but to, for the more that there are powerful women or women in positions like you or women that are following their dreams or following their goals, the more we can talk about that we have done this, but it's a circuitous route. It's not going to be perfect. You got to understand and own that. It's okay. I think we're still so busy trying to package it all up. So it looks like it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, that it wasn't like this crazy up and down journey. It's a wacky journey, you know, on the gold tree, the limbs are going to break off. Things are going to change, but it's not bad. Just keep taking that step forward. Keep taking that step forward. Every single successful person has that story and you just need to be willing to change it so that, or, or share it. So that the people that are behind us, and there are those people looking up, just like in my tree, at those, um, you know, the carvings, they're looking up there to see if there's anybody's name up there that kind of looks like them. Mm -hmm. You got to share you this one person, like I've, I've interviewed lots and lots of authors and they're like, if my book can help just one person that reads this, then that's, then that did what it needed to do. Right. Well, it, I, in that regard, I will say that the book has already done that because the book helped me. Oh. It was cathartic and life-changing and reflective. And um, yeah, it wouldn't even have mattered if it had been published. Right. Well, it is an amazing book and I really do encourage uh, my listeners to go and read it. And um, I have, I had it here. I am showing my house. And so everything is now shoved in a drawer uh, <laughs> and looking like we don't live in something, which is very tricky, but it is a fantastic book. It's Thank also got red and white and it's hearts and build a bear. And it just, it gives you warm and fuzzies before you even open it. Thank and you. Uh, Thank I you. was very excited to receive it. And I thank you so much for being here and sharing it with. Thank you uh, so much for having me. Absolutely. And um, can you tell us where we can follow you and where we can find the book? And if you have any others coming out. And storiesinheart.com, probably the best thing, place to go. You can always buy at amazon.com, a number of other different places to purchase. Um, there'll be places on Stories in Heart where you can um, find out more information and you can always follow me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. And um, I really do encourage everyone to go, to go and, uh, pick up a copy, follow you. Cause you're very inspiring, a powerhouse woman. And, uh, you have much, much more, I'm sure to, to bring. So I thank you again for being here and thank you again for listening to another episode of the chaos and cookies podcast. All the links will be in the show notes and, uh, please reach out if you took anything away from this episode and, uh, thank you again, Sharon. And I hope you guys, um, I hope you come back on your Thanks. I appreciate it, Heather. Awesome. All right. And, uh, Thank you again for listening to the Chaos and Cookies episode and we will catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See you all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.